another episode of the Around the Show Sports Podcast, folks. As always, I am your host, Kyle Showalter, and this is an episode that I have been so excited to do. This is something that I have been working on for a couple of months, and I figured with the NFL season finally getting underway, there's no better time this year than to do this right now. And, you know, this, as I said, is something that I've been working on for a couple of months. I've been moving these guys around studying, doing research on these guys, and I think I've finally got the list exactly how I want it. So I am introducing today my comprehensive quarterback tier and ranking list. Now, this is something that's probably going to be controversial for a lot of people. You know, some people are going to think their quarterback is too low. Some people are going to think their rival team's quarterback is too high. But I'm coming in as, as an objective party to just give you the facts about these quarterbacks. So what are the four quarterback tiers? And they're going to be broken down as such. A tier one quarterback is a truly elite player. A tier one quarterback can put his team on his back and carry them week in and week out. They have the ability to singularly win games on their own. Now, a tier two quarterback can carry his team as well, but not as consistently as a tier one quarterback. He can put the team on his back, but probably shouldn't be asked to do so every single week. And he could have some tier one traits and may potentially look like a tier one guy later down the road, but still needs something to be added to his game to take him to the next level. Tier three guys are legitimate starters. These quarterbacks are really good with a strong running game and a good defense. And a lot of the time, that equation will be good enough to win games. And they may be able to carry their team every once in a while, but more often than not, they'll fail than they will succeed. And the tier four guys, these are fringe veteran starters who really may be better served as backups or complete unknowns. This is where we'll see our draft guys from this past season. Man, a ton of work has went into putting this list together and ranking these quarterbacks fairly and objectively, and I'm just super excited to jump in and start sharing this. So let's get right into the tier four guys, which again are fringe veteran starters who may be better served as backups or complete unknowns. And number 36 is Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's the first tier one quarterback. And everyone loves them some Fitzmagic, myself included. And, you know, he's a guy who can boom as big as any quarterback. We know that from his time with several teams. You know, this guy is always someone who, when he's on the field, there's a threat to do something crazy. But deep down, we all know Ryan Fitzpatrick is a backup, even though Fitzmagic is as incredible as any quarterback in the NFL. Moving on to the 35th ranked quarterback, we have Mitchell Trubisky, and I, I've i seen enough. I'm out on Mitch. I have a very close friend of mine who's a Bears fan. I believe he is also out on Mitch, you know, and I think really most people around the league are. The only reason that Mitch is still starting for this team is because the general manager, Ryan Pace, he knows that once Mitch is benched, his job is gone. Coming in at number 34, and this is going to upset some people, we got Gardner Minshew, and I know Minshew Mania is a blast, but there really just isn't enough here for me to think that there's a legitimate NFL starter long-term. He Now, some strengths. He's an incredible leader, and he's surprisingly mobile. I watched him escape some sacks last year and get out of a, a collapsing pocket a couple of times and deliver some strong balls, but he is 6'1", and just doesn't have the pure arm strength that you need to be an NFL quarterback. And... Going back and watching some of the film and looking at the numbers, I was really surprised to see that he only completed 60% of his passes. That was the seventh worst mark among qualified quarterback. It was 60.6 to be exact. And this is especially concerning because if you go back and watch those games, the Jaguars really didn't ask him to do anything too crazy with the ball. 
Long-term, Gardner Minshew reminds me of a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's probably better served as a backup, but every once in a while he's going to come into a game and light it up and make you wonder, maybe there really is something here. Now up next, we have Terod Taylor, and you know, he's a few years removed from being a serviceable starter in Buffalo. He was definitely an average at worst starting quarterback, but he just really didn't look good in Cleveland before Baker took over with his job. And at this point, he's just a backup, but he will get the chance to start in LA for the Chargers at the new SoFi Stadium until Justin Herbert is ready. Now at number 32, we got a guy who's near and dear to my heart, and that is the Philly special himself, Nick Foles. And this is a guy that I will always have love for as an Eagles fan. He will be a legend in Philadelphia forever. I have faith that he will never buy himself a beer in Philadelphia ever again. But at this point, we know who Nick Foles is. He's the ultimate wild card. He's a gunslinger in the truest sense. I mean, if you watch Nick Foles play, that guy is aggressive and he has an unbelievably strong arm. And that combination, that combination is going to win you some games, and it's going to lose you some games. And often enough with Nick Foles, he's going to lose you more games than he's going to win. He had the unbelievable playoff run in 2017 with the Eagles, and I'll never forget it. But at this point, we got to be fair and rank him where he is. At number 31, we have Sam Darnold and... Like I said, I'm out on Trubisky. I'm just about there with Darnold. And no, in fairness, he hasn't been in a good situation in New York since he came into the league. But it really feels like he's only gotten worse. How many guys can you say that about and still have faith in? He still has the incredible arm that we saw at USC and that we've seen flashes of in the NFL. But it's time to put up or shut up. The Jets are going to be looking to move on soon if Sam Darnold can't come out and really do something. He has all the talent in the world. The situation around him is bad, I agree. But at a certain point, if you're a franchise quarterback, which the Jets drafted him to be, you have to rise above your situation and make something happen like some of the guys we'll talk about later in this list have done. Now at numbers 30, 29, and 28, we have Justin Herbert, Tua, and Joe Burrow just put in the order that they were drafted in. Again, there's really not a lot of... There's no NFL film to talk about these guys with. So... There's really not much to say. As of right now, they fit in Tier 4 just because they're relative unknowns. At number 27, we have Dwayne Haskins. And simply put, this is Dwayne Haskins' prove-it year. He's in this tier because we really don't know much about him. Other than he has good vision on the field and he has a strong arm. But we'll see if he can become a solid NFL quarterback this year. At number 26, we have Drew Locke, who might have the most swag out of any quarterback in the NFL. And this is a guy who's in here because, again, he's another unknown with Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and Noah Fant, plus Melvin Gordon and Lindsey in the backfield, and a steadily improving offensive line in Denver. It's time for him to put up as well, or the, the Broncos might be looking to head in another direction. There's a lot on the line for a lot of young quarterbacks in the NFL this season. And at number 25, we have a guy that I absolutely love to watch play but I understand that there's a lot of issues with this game, and that is Jameis Winston. I know he threw 30 interceptions, but hey, he also threw 30 touchdowns. Give the man some credit. He obviously has consistency issues. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna wipe that away. But these are the, the that's the only thing that's holding him back from being a legitimate starter. This guy has all the tools, and potentially the LASIK eye surgery that he had in this offseason is gonna help him spot some of these underneath linebackers that you see him throw so 
many interceptions to week after week. It is incredibly frustrating to watch as someone who wants Jameis Winston to succeed. But I just hope that a year of tutelage under Drew Brees in New Orleans, as well as the LASIK eye surgery, might help turn him into a more consistent quarterback. I'm not fully bought into that idea, but I can at least hope. And at number 24, I think we have the first of the rankings that are going to make people scratch their heads or maybe groan a little bit. But I got Phillip Rivers here at 24, the last of the tier four quarterbacks in the NFL. And, you know, some of you, this might feel a little bit low, but I really don't think that it is. He looked horrible last year. He had accuracy issues. His arm looked weak. His decision making was poor. And I'm really not convinced that he's going to be good enough in Indianapolis to win anything. The veteran presence is nice, but is Rivers the guy at this point? I don't think so. And with the 24th quarterback ranked, we move on to 23, and this is the beginning of our Tier 3 quarterbacks. And again, this is a legitimate starter. This quarterback paired with a strong run game and a good defense is good enough to win games most of the time. He may be able to carry his team every once in a while, but will fail more often than he will succeed. And first up, we have Teddy Bridgewater. And, you know, Teddy's a guy that's good enough to start in this league, and it's about time that he's getting that opportunity. And I'm happy that he's getting that opportunity in Carolina. I'm super happy to see that he bounced back from that awful knee injury in Minneapolis. You know, super, super happy just to see anyone come back from injury. But an injury that bad, it's crazy to see him back and performing at a high level last year with New Orleans. And it's awesome to see that he's getting his money now in Carolina. And I know new head coach Matt Rule of the Carolina Panthers is going to be happy to get Teddy Bridgewater because his offense at Baylor featured a heavy dose of RPOs, and that's something that Teddy Bridgewater is familiar with his days from Minneapolis. So he's really heading into a situation that knows how to utilize him, and as a quarterback, that's really all that you can ask for. Moving on to number 22, we have Jared Goff of the LA Rams, and you know, every once in a while, Jared Goff will mess around and act like he's a Tier 2 quarterback, and... I just don't think that he's consistently doing that enough to be in that category. I think there's a lot of guys that you can put over Goff, and there's really not much that you can argue about it with. And, you know, part of this might be a product of the offense that that the Rams have ran the last couple of seasons, but the fact is, Goff has never been asked to go win games. His job simply is to manage the offense and make sure everyone stays on track, which is perfectly fine. He's a game manager, and he's a good one. But it's okay to call him that if that's what he is. Up next is Derek Carr, and Derek Carr has the talent to be ranked a lot higher, but he is the ultimate check down Charlie. And what I mean by that is Derek Carr has the ability to throw the ball deep as good as anyone in the NFL, but he refuses to. On a third and 12, he'll instead throw a four-yard check down to his running back let his team pick up six yards, and then the punt team jogs onto the field and he jogs off. It is so frustrating as a Derek Carr believer, and I know there's a lot of people out there that see this same thing and talk about it. It's You, you want to see this guy succeed because he has all the talent. He just won't go let the, he won't let the ball fly. It's very frustrating. I think the addition of Henry Ruggs should help just because there's going to be so much more opportunity downfield and over the middle of the field in the intermediate area because they're going to have to put so much attention on Ruggs with his game-breaking speed. So hopefully this helps Derek Carr break out of his uh, his shell a little bit. And this Raiders team, you know, they're going to be run-focused, which I think is going to help Carr as well, maybe get him some more options in the play-action passing game. But the fact is, it's time for him to put up or shut up because if he doesn't, John Gruden's going to be looking for a new quarterback. 
And up next, we have another quarterback who might be in a similar situation, and unbelievably, that's Baker Mayfield. This guy has more weapons at his disposal than any quarterback in the league, I would argue. His game relies heavily on his ability to be super accurate and his ability and allowance to be creative in the offense. And he was great in both departments his rookie year when he broke the rookie touchdown record, but he was awful in both departments last year. If the Browns want Baker to be successful, they need to let him go back to being creative in the offense, and hopefully new head coach Kevin Stefanski will allow Baker to be himself, which is something that I'm kind of concerned about based on what Kevin Stefanski did in his time in Minneapolis as the offensive coordinator. And Baker also needs to get back to being accurate like he was during his rookie season. There's not a lot of room for short quarterbacks that aren't accurate in this league. And if everything falls into place, Baker Mayfield could be shooting up this list. At number 19, we have Ryan Tannehill, who is the perfect example of a Tier 3 quarterback. You give this guy a strong run game and a solid defense, and he will make some things happen. He was absolutely great last year on play action, and I expect more of the same from him in 2020 and the Titans because they're running it back. And up next, we have a quarterback that really puzzles a lot of people with his inconsistencies, and that's Josh Allen, who is a perfect example of a great arm not translating to great quarterback play. He has an unbelievable arm, but he's horribly inaccurate down the field. Take this into account, okay? He had the sixth highest rate of passes that traveled 20-plus yards down the field last season. He completed 24% of them. Pro Football Focus ranks him as the 32nd out of 33 quarterbacks in downfield passing last year. Point blank, the cannon that he has is useless if he can't hit targets with it. Now, to give him credit, he has some good traits. He can run, he improved his his intermediate accuracy a lot last season, and the team added Stephon Diggs, which hopefully should alleviate some of these deep ball concerns because Stephon Diggs is a guy who can go up and get it. You know, Josh Allen... He has Cam Newton potential if he can resolve some of these deep accuracy issues. He has a similar build. He's strong. He can run. He has the cannon of an arm that Cam does. I really see a lot of similarities here, but the issue is he's got to be more consistent down the field. If he does that, this is a quarterback who could dominate the AFC East. At 17, we have Jimmy Garoppolo, who simply took the 49ers to the Super Bowl by refusing to make mistakes. He was a game manager last season, and he did a really good job. Now, the issues with Jimmy G come up when he's asked to win the game with his arm. And I know Niners fans, as well as myself, can still picture the overthrown Emmanuel Sanders throw in the Super Bowl. That is going to haunt a lot of people for a long time. I just don't think that there's enough arm talent to put Jimmy G any higher than this, as much as I would like to. At number 16, we have Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones. And I'm in. I'm a believer in Daniel Jones. And I say that as an Eagles fan and someone who should be rooting for this guy to not be great. But I see a lot with this guy that I like. You know, he's an incredible athlete. He is so mobile, so much more than you think looking at him. And his arm really surprised me last season. You know, this is a guy who in college, there was almost no film. So we didn't know what to think about him coming into the year last year. And, you know, he really shined. And all of this is made even more impressive in that he played last season without any of his his core pass catchers playing a single down together the entire year. And that's that's right. 
Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, and Evan Ingram were all on the field together for a grand total of zero plays last year. Daniel Jones needs to cut down on the fumbles and the turnovers in general, but this kid has big potential. Now, at 15, and another great example of a Tier 3 quarterback, we have Kirk Cousins, and this is a guy who's fallen considerably out of my favor in the last couple of seasons. You know, I I don't think this is a guy who can win games on his own. I used to, but I do think that he fits what Minnesota wants to do with the football. You know, he's great in play action and doesn't turn the ball over too often. And, you know, if if you look at the last two years in Minnesota, in a run-first offense, he's averaged 3,900 yards, 28 touchdowns, and eight interceptions. That's solid production. He's better than a lot of people give him credit for. I will definitely stick with that. At number 14, and one of the last Tier 3 quarterbacks, we have Cam Newton. And honestly, Cam should be higher. The thing is, it's health that's holding him back. And that's a hard thing to get past. This is a guy who won an MVP. I mean, the talent is obvious. If the shoulder injury is behind him, this is a guy that can make every throw on the field and poses a real threat with his legs, especially at the goal line. Bill Belichick is going to make Carolina look bad for letting him go and make every other team in the league look bad for not picking him up when they had the chance. This is a match made in heaven, and I think Cam is easily going to be shooting up this list next season. And at number 13, this is a pick that I think is going to get a lot of flack and You know, it didn't feel good putting him here, but I have Drew Brees right here, the last tier three quarterback, the 13th best quarterback in the league, and I get it. You know, I understand. Drew Brees, he is an all-time great quarterback. He's got all the records, but at this point in his career, I think he's a third-tier guy. The fact is, Drew Brees is not asked to do what he used to be asked to do in this offense. Drew Brees ranked dead last in the NFL amongst qualified passers and intended air yards per attempt. Now, what that means is on average, Drew Brees' pass attempts were the shortest in terms of distance from the line of scrimmage in the entire league. His average depth of target was 6.5 yards. That means even check down Charlie himself, Derek Carr, threw the ball downfield more often than Drew Brees. This is a 41-year-old all-time great quarterback, a top-five quarterback all-time who's in the twilight of his career. At this point in his career, he's a really good game manager, and that's okay. But it's also okay to call him what he is. And with that, we move to the Tier 2 quarterbacks. Now again, Tier 2 quarterbacks can carry their team, but not quite as consistently as a Tier 1 quarterback He can put the team on his back, but probably shouldn't be asked to do so every week, and he could have a couple Tier 1 traits and may potentially look like a Tier 1 guy down the road, but he still needs something to take him to the next level. And the first one of these guys, again, another pick that might be kind of controversial for having him this low, that's Tom Brady. And I think he's in the same boat as Drew Brees, but I think he just has a little bit more left in the tank. He's lost a little bit off his arm, but I saw a couple times last year, he can still push it when he needs to. Now, if you watch the Patriots last year, you understand Tom Brady was dealt a pretty bad hand. That is one of the worst pass-catching groups in the league, and he still threw for over 4,000 yards. This is still a guy who can sling it, and he just sneaks into the second tier. 
At number 11, we have Matty Ice. That's Matt Ryan, who is still a very good NFL quarterback. Doesn't get nearly the respect that he deserves. You know, he's thrown for more yards over the first 12 years of his career than any quarterback has ever thrown through their first 12 seasons. An average Matt Ryan year, an average Matt Ryan year, looks something like 4,500 yards and 30 touchdowns. That's a lot of guys' best seasons of their career. Not a lot of guys get to 4,500 yards and 30 touchdowns. Matty Ice does it every year, man. It's not his fault that the Falcons are bad. He's the reason that they're winning seven games a year instead of three. This dude can still play. If he can win a Super Bowl, I think Matt Ryan is a lock for the Hall of Fame. No question. And I think he should get in even if he doesn't. Moving on to number 10, and this is where it gets really good, man. This is the top 10 quarterbacks in the league, and you might be wondering, man, where's Kyler Murray? He's right here at number 10. And this may seem high to some of you guys, but, you know, I think it's just right. It might even be a little low. This kid was incredible last year. He just continued what he was doing at Oklahoma, running all around the field, delivering accurate deep balls, running all over defenses. I mean, this kid is amazing. He's incredibly accurate at all three levels. You know, he can chuck it down the field. He can throw on the run. He can throw from different arm angles like Patrick Mahomes can. And we all know all about the mobility. You know, this kid can run all over your defense or he can throw it all over your defense. It does not matter. It's year two for Kyler Murray. And I think this is when we see a huge jump from him that we've seen from a lot of these year two guys like Carson Wentz, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson. Year two is going to be big for Kyler Murray. At number nine, we have a guy who was kind of hard to rank because he was injured last year, but just going off of how good he was in 2018, it was kind of hard to put him any lower than this, and that's Ben Roethlisberger, who, seriously, he was amazing in 2018, if you don't remember. This guy threw for 5,100 yards and 36 touchdowns. And yeah, you know, he's coming off of a major injury. This guy got Tommy John surgery, which you usually don't see in football, but All signs indicate that his arm feels better than ever, and he said in an interview that he had been experiencing arm pain his entire career, and now that's completely gone. And if that's true, that's a scary thought. You know, if if all that was Ben Roethlisberger with a, a hurt arm, what's a Ben Roethlisberger with a healthy arm? And I just think he makes too many bad decisions with the ball to be a true tier one guy, but he does enough good things to place him firmly in this second tier. And at number eight, we have... The most underrated quarterback in the NFL and one of just in general, the most underrated players in the NFL. And that's Matt Stafford. I need you guys to wake up, man. Where's the respect for this guy? The Lions last year finally started airing it out and letting Matt Stafford chuck it. And he took his game to the next level. And before it was revealed that he had a fractured back leading up to the Lions week nine game, he was on pace to throw for 5,000 yards, 38 touchdowns, and only 10 interceptions. It's not his fault that the Lions aren't any good. He's the only reason that they might end up respectable this year. This kid is unbelievable. He's been great since his days at Georgia, and since he's came into the league, he's just continued that. We need to start putting some real respect on Matthew Stafford's name, man. Okay, so now this next guy. Those of you that know me, you've heard me say a lot of things about this next guy that didn't paint him in a positive light on the football field. Said a lot of negative things about this guy, but I think it's time for me to put all of that behind me. And I think it's time to admit I was wrong. At number seven, we have Dak Prescott. This dude can play quarterback. 
he has a way better arm than a lot of people give him credit for, especially down the field. Pro Football Focus has him as the best deep ball thrower in the NFL, as ranked last season. He's an incredible leader for Dallas, and last year they really opened up the playbook and let Dak Prescott throw it, and it played off big time. He really took a leap. Now, it's, it's not all roses for the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. He's a Tier 2 guy for a couple of reasons. First, he's always been in a great situation. He's always had an incredible offensive line in front of him, which, again, has been banged up the last couple of seasons, so I'll give him credit for that. But this offensive line has helped keep him upright for most of his career and has allowed the Cowboys to dominate the running game, which has made things easier for him in the passing game. And second, and much more importantly, he just hasn't shown it against good teams. In the last two seasons against playoff teams, he's thrown 17 touchdowns and committed 18 turnovers. You know, I think this is a guy who is a good, a borderline great quarterback, but he's just not an elite one. And with the team around him, that's okay. Dak Prescott is plenty good enough to help this Dallas Cowboys team win a Super Bowl right now. And at number six, rounding out tier two, we have Lamar Jackson, the most dynamic player in the NFL. This is the best running quarterback I have ever seen. Yes, better than Vic. I don't think that's controversial. I always say this. I've said this yesterday in a conversation with my dad. Lamar is the fastest player in pads I have ever seen. He looks like he's in a different gear than everyone else on the field. The only person comparable, I think, is Tyreek Hill. He's a better passer than you think, too. This kid threw for 25 touchdowns from the pocket last season. That's the best in the league. He's also way better pre-snap than you think. He threw 24 touchdown passes against the Bliss last year. That's the best mark in the league. With a little bit of growth, Lamar could easily become a Tier 1 guy. Now... What does he need to do? He needs to prove that he can lead his team back into games from behind. When the Ravens were down last year, their offense just didn't look like it had anything that it could do to get them back into the game. If they fell down two scores, the game was basically over, and this is how the Titans beat them in the playoffs last season. In order to be a Tier 1, Lamar's going to have to prove that he can carry his team, but honestly, I wouldn't bet against him to do it. And with that, we move into our Tier 1 guys. Now, Tier 1 quarterbacks are truly elite. The Tier 1 quarterback can put his team on his back and carry them week in and week out and have the ability to win games on their own. And at number 5, we have Carson Wentz of the Philadelphia Eagles. And if this feels controversial to you, you haven't been paying attention. This is a guy who had the Eagles at 11-2 in 2017 when he tore his ACL. At that point, he had 3,300 yards and 33 touchdowns and led the league in quarterback rating. He was going to win the MVP award in his second NFL season, and his team went on to win the Super Bowl. Last year, he became the only quarterback in NFL history to throw for 4,000 yards in a season without having a single 500-yard receiver on the roster. And, you know, if that isn't enough, fine. Let's go to last season again, when he dragged a team that was 5-7 and seven going into Week 14 to four straight wins while throwing to practice squad wide receivers and making the playoffs. I usually don't like to use quarterback wins, but in this case, I think it's fair. This Eagles season was over 
until Carson Wentz put the team on his back and carried them to the playoffs. At that point, I thought he was a Tier 2 guy that flashed a Tier 1 guy, but after seeing that, he cemented his spot in the first tier and at the number 5 spot in our list. At number 4, we have a guy that I'm fully bought in on. That's Deshaun Watson. You know, this kid has it. He has the arm, he's mobile, he's a leader, and he just has that X factor, man. When you watch Deshaun Watson, there is so much there. It's it's inexplicable. I, I worry about his production this season with the loss of DeAndre Hopkins. I think the Texans' offense is going to miss him a lot, but if they struggle, don't get it twisted. This isn't on Watson. And coming in at three, we got another guy who I think y'all are being a little bit disrespectful to. That's Aaron Rodgers. This guy was throwing for nearly 40 touchdowns every year, running a high school offense during the McCarthy seasons. And now, who is he throwing to? He still threw for 4,000 yards last year in a run-first offense. I mean, what do you want from this guy? He still has the unbelievable arm. Sure, the mobility isn't all there still, but he doesn't need it. If the Packers had the wide receivers to do it, they could unleash absolute hell on the league. But they don't. So, you know, this year Rodgers will throw for 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns with crazy efficiency and more people will be talking about how much he's washed. I don't get it. And at number two, we have a guy who may even be a little bit underrated by the general public, and that's Russell Wilson. And I'm going to start all of this by saying, let Russ cook. One of these days, the Seahawks are going to let Russ cook. At least I really hope so. This guy is so unbelievably good. all Like, all-time good. He throws for 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns per season in a notoriously run-first offense that drives me absolutely insane. This is a guy with all the talent in the world that averages 29.5 pass attempts per game in his career. Now, for reference, Tom Brady averages 35.2 pass attempts per game in an offense that isn't necessarily pass-heavy. It has been in some years, but not in all. If Pete Carroll was willing to build an offense that maximized Russell Wilson's capabilities as a passer, he might break the league. And at number one, we have the quarterback that does break the league. And if you didn't expect this, I don't know what you're watching, man. This is Patrick Mahomes who is on a trajectory that we have never seen before. He's had a 5,000-yard season, a 50-touchdown season, two Pro Bowl appearances, a first-team All-Pro selection, an NFL MVP, a Super Bowl championship, and a Super Bowl MVP. He's 25 years old. And honestly, I think I'm ready to make this claim. On September 12th of 2020, that when Patrick Mahomes II hangs up his cleats and calls it a career, he'll be regarded as the greatest quarterback who ever lived. Book it. <laughs>